Hi, my name is David C. Jones, and this is Alive and Engaged, the podcast about speaking out and looking in. In today's episode, the first part, when you are trying to engage with any kind of audience, whether it be two people or 2,000 people, it can be a real challenge when you suffer from stage fright or social anxiety. So I'm going to share some strategies on how to combat that. And then, in the second part, have you ever been convinced that someone is evil? That they are deliberately and maliciously trying to thwart you? How do you de-escalate a confrontation between people? My guest today is Marilyn Lemon, who deliberately places herself between warring factions as a neutral third party, and that's what makes her feel alive. So we'll be doing all that after this short break. Okay, so you're standing backstage. Your hands are shaking. The script is making a deafening rustling noise as sweat forms in all the worst places. Suddenly, a startling, booming voice says, Please welcome your host and MC. Insert your name here. Or, or, you have been invited to a party, but there's no one to go with, and the thought of walking into that house or apartment and all the eyes turning and looking at you knots your stomach into a pretzel that the partygoers will no doubt want to feast on. Today, the sea is for calm. Now, I have to totally admit that when I first started performing and going out on stage, when I was asked to do my very first professional show, I pretended to be sick so I didn't have to do it. And when I was finally tricked into doing my first professional show, improv show, I think I performed the entire time with a little tiny pee stain on my pants. And to this day, being invited to go to a social gathering fills me with anxiety and it takes a lot for me to calm down and get focused and go. We all feel anxiety fear and doubt and a little bit of paranoia. Anxiety is a part of life and it affects people in varying degrees. It could be a thrilling irritant for some, springing them into action, into the unknown, whereas others become rooted in the spot, unable to move. Depression is about the past. Anxiety is about the future. When facing an unknown, it's important to stay clear-headed and above all, calm. Or at least give the appearance of being calm. But often people can become obsessed with fear of being judged or rejected or ignored. We're worried about not being perfect, that we might make a mistake. Now, for public speaking, a widely held belief of a way to combat nervousness is to picture the audience in their underwear. Um, but I find that very distracting and I often lose my place in the script and in some cases my lascivious looks at some people cause concern and authorities have gotten involved. That strategy also requires you to be actually on the stage to do it, but what if you're too nervous to step out onto the stage? Well, first off, you have to know that you have value. Just by virtue of the fact that you have lived your life and had the experience that you have had, you are unique and worthy and have something to share. You don't need to seek validation from an audience. You don't need their approval. You don't need approval from other people. You need to know that you have something to give. If you are a public speaker or introducing speakers, you have information that the audience needs. You are providing them a service by speaking to them and they are there wanting to hear it. So if you focus on the fact that you are informing them, you're giving them information that they need and that you're going to leave them in better condition, better informed than when you found them, you're providing a service to them and that will take the relationship from you to them rather than them to you. Here's a couple strategies that can help you with public speaking and where necessary I will draw parallels into social engagements. These are based on my own experiences and advice that I have gathered and uh, different teachers have taught me and I'm always continuing to learn. So if you have any tips, please feel free to share them with me. So before you are on it or in it or in front of it, bum, 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 number one, prepare. Read over your notes and information over and over again. Know it backwards and forwards. The better prepared you are, the more relaxed you will feel. In regards to social anxiety about going to a gathering, 
get information about who's going to be there and what's going to be happening there so that the unknowns aren't as daunting. Number two, visualization. This can be in either situation. Find a place to lie down or sit down and close your eyes and run through the best case scenario in your head, picturing all the little details and indicators of success. I don't mean to mean name dropping here, but Confucius said, he who says he can and he who says he can't are both right. So take a moment, quiet the negative thoughts by letting them go. Do a little bit of meditation and visualization. Create a better story. Visualize yourself being successful. Number three, ritual. Never discount the power of ritual. Create a chant or an action or a dance that preps you before you step into the spotlight, whether it be on a stage or going to a party. It's your thing, so make something that is as unique as you are, and it will set you off on the right path. You want to get your body moving and active and get your blood pumping and your breath flowing. There, there are a lot of great speakers like Tony Robbins or entertainers like Madonna or the Rolling Stones. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking only of old singers, apparently. Uh, but they have things that they do before they step out on stage to get themselves pumped up and ready to face the audience. You want to first do something that gets your energy up and then something that gets your focus, laser focused. Speaking of that, number four, stretch and breathe. Relax your face, the muscles in your face. Release your shoulders, unclench your butt and your hands and your jaw make sure it's loose and take in slow deep breaths and then let them out slower keep taking in slow deep breaths when we are anxious we are in fight or flight mode and we breathe faster and shallower so we need to slow our breathing down and fill your whole lungs down to the diaphragm there are a couple of great um, TED talks by a person by the name of Ann Cuddy who talks about power poses and how to utilize them before you go into any situation. Putting your hands on your hips or stretching them up way above your head. You can do this before going into any situation because when we're nervous, we tend to shrink up our bodies. We retreat, we make our neck smaller, we pull our shoulders up. So you want to stretch everything out and open before going into any situation, again, whether on stage or into a party. Another quick one, a great teacher by the name of Ali Froggett taught me, which is something you can try. Try, the, try this with me at home. Just relax your face. Now raise your eyebrows up. I just love the way that changes my face immediately. It feels powerful. I feel more alert, more awake, and a little higher status. So do it a couple of times. Push your eyebrows down, raise them up. Push them down, raise them up. I find it totally raises my spirits. And I now, ever since Ali taught me that, I do that when I'm walking down the street. Sometimes I just raise my eyebrows up. And a lot of people think I'm being surprised by things all the time. <laughs> Number five, be gentle with yourself. We all have crows or gargoyles or demons on our shoulder that are talking to us, telling us that we suck or that everyone's going to hate us. Now, there's another great teacher that I quite like uh, named Jack Plotnick. He has, I'll put some of his videos in the description of this, of this podcast. He has a great way of dealing with negative thoughts, which he says are just your ego because your ego wants perfection and thinks that you're not going to meet it. So instead of trying to block them or say, no, no, I won't suck, uh, you instead affirm them. If a voice says, everyone's going to hate you, you tell that voice, I release and destroy my need for everyone to like me. So there you're not blocking the crow or the gargoyle or the demon. You're not disagreeing with it. You're acknowledging it and letting it go so you can move forward. This confuses your ego and it allows you to go into any situation with a sense of curiosity and exploration. And then you can focus on the fact that you have something to give. You're going to focus on each step on the way, not the whole staircase. Before stepping out from behind the curtain, you're not on stage yet, but you still need to try to calm your nerves down. Number six, meet the audience. If you can, try to mingle with the audience beforehand, before you go out in front of them. So that way you can start to develop relationships and they become some of them become allies rather than adversaries. 
The same technique can be done at parties. Rather than planting yourself in a corner, have the host introduce you around to other people. Um, make a game of it. Can you find out one fact about each person as you shake their hand? If you get out in and among them, whether you're going on stage or at a party, they become less threatening. Number seven, smile. Smile, just like your eyebrows. When you smile, your face opens up and it actually helps you feel better. When we're worried, our eyebrows knit down and the corners of our mouth turn down and our jaw gets tight. But when you're smiling, your whole face opens up. When you're smiling really big with an open mouth smile that's very, very sincere, your eyes crinkle up and you have what uh, I mentioned before in this podcast, what I call chimpanzee eyes. I love people with chimpanzee eyes. Those are the eyes that are crinkled up in the corner and they have that little twinkle in them like there's a sense of mischievous adventure going on. So try that now. Just open up their smile. See how it changes your mood. Okay. Now we're on to, now you're on the stage. You're on the stage. So we have just a couple more tips for when you're on the stage and you want to try to stay calm. First thing is body language on stage. You don't want to get stuck behind a podium. You want to move away from the podium if you have to bring the script with you. You certainly don't want to be gripping the sides of the podium or gripping the microphone stand like it's holding you up. Now, once you're out from behind the podium, a simple gesture that you can do that you've seen other public speakers do is bring your fingertips together with your palms apart, like you're making a little tent or a pyramid in front of your chest. When you touch your fingertips together, you are grounding yourself and to the audience, you're looking very calm and collected. So you can trick yourself into thinking that you are. Another thing to do is when you're gesturing is to gesture with your arms and hands uh, wide, your palms up and open to the whole audience, taking them all in. Now in a social gathering, um, you can do the same sort of thing. Other things that are very important in social gatherings is to make eye contact. Don't let your eyes dart around and look around the party. If someone's talking to you, look directly at them, take them in. Another thing you can do, depending on your relationship with that person and if you're vibing with them a little bit, is if they say something that you agree with or you want to affirm as being a good or smart thing, you can give them a quick touch on the arm or on the shoulder and that again connects you. Now obviously if they recoil or stiffen up, don't do it again and don't do it too often but a quick little touch connects you to the other person there's a lot of great videos online about social interaction one that i've mentioned on this podcast before is charisma on command but don't forget uh, there's some great books in fact the granddaddy of all self-help books is 80 years old now and it's called how to win friends and influence people and there's a lot of great tips in there as well almost done number nine Really important. Most people can't tell that you are nervous, particularly when you're on stage. It's hard to tell that your hands are shaking. So, as they say, fake it till you make it. If you're at a social uh, event and you're faking it, if you need to, go into the bathroom every now and then and catch your breath and go, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and then leave the bathroom and work your way into the room again. If you go into the bathroom a lot, though, they might think you might have a urinary infection or something. But most of them are probably not noticing that you are doing that because finally, number 10, if a social situation, whether it's on stage or at a party, doesn't go our way, more often than not, it is quickly forgotten by everyone involved except for you. We often think that people are thinking about us much more than they actually are. So there you go. There's some things that can help you deal with anxiety, whether you are public speaking or in a social situation that I have learned and almost all of them I use all the time. My eyebrows are up right now. Because remember, when you need to be engaging, the C is for calm. When we come back from the break, we are going to have a conversation with a fascinating woman named Marilyn Lemon, who has an insane job. She gets in between angry people and tries to resolve their differences. So there's a lot we can learn from her and we'll learn about her and all that after the break. Two women lock eyes. They both have children and health problems and otherwise though they're in very different social situations with different values. But the one thing that unites them is that they hate each other. They cannot stand each other. 
and then in steps Marilyn Lemon to try to solve their problem. Hello, Marilyn. <laughs> Hello. Oh my goodness. What a crazy job you have. You, 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 you're, what, what is it you do? You're a neutral third party. You're the neutral third party. Well, what? as much as possible. I mean, it's, it's not really possible to be totally neutral, right? I'm human too, you know. Right. <laughs> now, in this case, it was two women. Uh, uh, the, uh, it was a dispute over smoking. What, what actually happened? Well, they lived next door to each other. And uh, by the time I got called in, they, the, the co-op where they lived had tried to resolve things, had tried to come up with ways to deal with this, but uh, it just it didn't work. Things weren't going well at all, so they kind of threw up their hands and asked for help. And so you fly in with your superhero cape fluttering behind you. <laughs> Not quite. Uh, and you, you, you sit, so what happens then? You then sit down with the two women and go, what's up? Well, I, what I like to do is meet with them privately okay. and get a picture of who they are when they're alone. Who right. they, you know, to get a sense of mm, uh, what really is their take on the situation. Right. If we do that in the same room at the same time, it can be problematic because they may not actually say, or they may say what they've presented before. Right, and they Rather may have their walls they may have a different. They may have a different take right now. So and I they also know. might, they might think they can get you on their side. Exactly, <laughs> they actually do think that. And then they try to convince you because they think you're going to be like an arbitrator or a judge. But that's not my rule. I don't judge, I don't. I don't give out anything, information. Right. I ask questions and I guide the process. So um, part of guiding the process happens in that first meeting too, where I try to get them to sort of set them up to do the best work they can do. So when I'm alone with them, which I'm, I'm sometimes alone with them during the process too, when I'm alone with them, I try to get them around to you know, being their best selves in the conflict. Mm -hmm. When they get together, they don't want to come, I mean, it's not to their advantage to come across mad dog or right. demanding or, which they might have tried in the past, but it's, in this process, it's not effective. It's not that old process. So it's almost like you're trying to get them into, like in, in the world of improv, a yes and mindset. Exactly. Where they can, they can yep. start to think about solutions as opposed to their old yeah. hurts or their old anger. And this can be a whole new idea to some people that can really resist it, but some people can kind of get set up right in that first meeting. It, it, might, it sounds like you might be offering them hope. Oh, I'm definitely offering them hope. Okay. I definitely, so, and I'm offering them safety. Right. Okay, in that first meeting and saying, you know, get your stuff ready, be ready, um, but be open right. and listen. And, and there's a step-by-step -step process we go through and uh, this is how it's going to be so you'll be ready you won't you won't be surprised by what happens when we get there now in this case though you went to the next step which was to have them both together yep. and it didn't go well it didn't go well for I think three sessions oh my goodness it, it started to and then it back and then forward and then back so right. that the, the one who was particularly argumentative We'd make some progress, and then as she left the room, she'd say, and I hope I never have to speak with you again. And she'd walk away. Oh, my goodness. How and the next door neighbors, right? And you think, oh, I thought we made some progress there, but apparently not. So like you know. she was almost like she was putting on a show. Yeah. And so then and left with, or something. She, and she went, lying, or my fingers were crossed. Yeah. I didn't mean any of that. Something, I don't know. There's something. She just just couldn't kind of. But meanwhile, the, the one woman was going, oh, I think. I think I think I see where you're going with this. I think right. I'm understanding their, your process, but I think maybe she'd had some experience with it before in her workplace or something. Right. Because it's it's um, counterintuitive, you know, to be friendly with your enemy. Why right. would you do that? That right. just doesn't seem right. But it's the way to go. <laughs> well, and and sometimes we love. It almost makes us feel stronger if we can be opinionated about something. We see that in the world right now, in the 21st century, everyone's got entrenched positions and they feel vindicated and powerful in this That's, that's what they say. We pick up anger when we're afraid. Oh, when we're afraid. We see anger as a, a, a tool that we can use. We can bash the enemy, but it's not a very effective tool. It feels good, it makes us think we're confident, but it's not effective. It makes the thing worse. Whereas if we can slow down, have some neutral third party come in and make a safe place for you to say, 
so what's going on here? Like, why are we doing this? Mm. That kind of thing. So it's, yeah, and, and you touched on a piece I was going to mention about how important this is right now. Like, this is, we're at sort of, people talk about a turning point and the society can be redesigned. Let's redesign it in a way that we approach things, uh, at conflicts, in a collaborative way rather than an adversarial way. Let's I think, get away from that adversarial approach as much as we can. Yeah, I think one of the things that, I think it's total social media that Facebook has now been telling us for like nine years, how are you feeling today, David? And you start to think that your opinion about how you feel is newsworthy. And, and, and important. And important, right? But the question is what's important, not the answer. <laughs> oh, oh, interesting. Now, in this case, the two, two ladies uh, finally exploded, right? Or you exploded. I exploded. I just like... This is, we're, we're not, Anna, so I said to the one who couldn't get it, so are you saying this and this and this? Are you saying, just up to here but no more and you'll never speak to her again? And she said, that's it exactly. And you're not going to budge on that ever? And I said, and she said, yeah. And I said, well then, my work is done. I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm not going to build a co-op for any more of this. Yeah. You guys want to fight? Go at it. I'm out of here. Wow. And I went home. Well, it was the, that was the exact situation. So you're trying to be in the present moment. What's happening right now? Yeah. This woman says, end of story? Okay, end of story. See ya. Yeah, you're like, well, I've, I've gotten you as far as I can go then. Then right. if that's the case, if you're, I just want to confirm that that's what you really mean. And she said, yep. I said, okay, then I'm out of here. Bye. Wow. And then the, both of them were like in shock. Yeah. Right? And then you got a phone call oh, from And then I got a phone call fairly late at night. And we, I remember sitting there and... We talked, and she, and you know, she was in distress. Like I thought, we were going to get this thing sorted out, and you're leaving us hanging. Like, like, how can you do that to us? Wow. And I said, well, this is how it works. You know, this is the way the thing works. Like, if you're saying you're not going to budge, then why am I sticking around to like, keep why arguing? Why would I build a co-op? Yeah, it's not ethical. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to build bill for your time by just. Going, I mean, yeah, well, you guys want to keep fighting. I can keep billing. There's no problem there. But yeah, that doesn't. That's not a good thing. So, so she's calling you and saying, uh, uh, I don't get it. What, what, why, why did you leave us? And you said, well, this is why. Yeah. And then did you give a condition on coming back? No, or? no. But she, in time, said, give us another chance. Like I'm, she started to get a clue. And she didn't turn right then. But, but when we came back, so it was like a week later, she said, she came in a different person. She came in with saying, you know, I, I started that night and I did a little research and I talked to friends and I, you know, so I said, okay, I'll give it one more shot. I didn't, I didn't ask her. I didn't push it. Why would I? Like, right. So she had to come to you now. You would, you, it's, it's almost sounds like child rearing to a sense. Like you, 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 you've laid down the gauntlet and you weren't going to say, here are my conditions. They had to come to you. Well, I, I didn't expect anything. I just figured oh, it was over. I you thought had actually this walked thing, away. I actually <laughs> did walk away thinking, look, I did my best. I give it three shots. Okay. We've tried pretty much everything. I'm done. I'm out of here. So it wasn't so much strategy. It wasn't a strategy. It okay. was a, we're done now. Oh, interesting. That's So, you know, sometimes you do the right thing by accident, I guess. <laughs> Now you know, right? Just walk Honesty, away. maybe? Maybe that was a good strategy, honesty. Yeah. So what's the process? Like, you, you get called and you're often... Now, you're not called in often by the people who are fighting. You're called in often by someone who's witnessing the fight and saying there's a um, problem well, here. Well, because my market area that I'm interested in mostly is co-ops and stratus, so housing situations, because it seems to me... Here's a point. Um... That so conflict is inevitable. Disputes right. are inevitable because, especially now, because we're saying we're pretending that we enjoy diversity, right. but diversity means we're different, yes. and difference means dispute. Right. It's just the nature of the world, and a lot of disputes just resolve. They just go. They don't matter. It's you know things get worked out. Right. But the more difference you have next door to each other the more disputes you're going to have. Right. And then if people don't know how to handle them well, and, and more people are learning how to handle disputes better. So that's uh, a thing. But um, if we can handle those disputes better, collaboratively, we build a stronger community. And we open up to more, there's more potential there for a lot of creative thinking coming together of different ideas. 
and producing things. And often, almost, almost every time, the dispute is about X and the cause is about Y. And if you can, in the process of the conversation, get back to Y and soothe it, Mm. Then X is solved, and so is Y, Z, and Q, and R, and S. And there's <laughs> hold, other, hold, hold other, on there's other things happening too that mm. were affected by that. Caught what caused the smoking dispute caused a noise dispute in the next door. You know, there's some there's some social anxiety in a whole co-op, and people are going to be complaining about each other. If you can get back to that, what's the cause of that social anxiety or whatever? Yeah, that sounds almost like the broken window scenario. Right? When it's city, like if you got a broken window in a building, then other people will break other windows. So if there's a dispute, it, it, it kind might, of, yeah. might build into more. So she more fought with her and she got that sorted out. So I'm going to fight and get what I want. Right. But if they can do it collaboratively, yeah. it's better all around. And the other thing is, these women are friends now. They're oh, actually wonderful. friends. They left that meeting it's a planning, <laughs> planning to get together. When they came in on the first meeting, the one woman would not allow her, chil- her her daughter to speak with the other children, with the other kids, and they live next door. And so, and she would not allow, she said they'd been to a picnic, and the one woman arrived, the other one said, okay, we're out of here, we're gone, and she went home. Wow. She didn't want anything to do with her. She would not speak to her, nothing. Talk about holding on to your anger. Yeah. yeah, but when she started, I think she started to see how much that was causing her health problems. Oh, interesting, interesting. And the, you know, one of the things that I'm, uh, I think we talked about this before, um, about um, uh, the six thinking hats. Like, and one of the things about, uh, is it, uh, who is that? About, uh, De Bono or something? De Bono. Uh, Edward De Bono, yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the big things about the six thinking hats is that you learn to find value in the differences. Oh, like you, yes. Yeah, you say, okay, there's six types of people and they're going, some of them are going to be diametrically opposed and there's your conflict. There's your conflict. Some of them are tangentially opposed, but some of them are like, yeah. and you have to learn to find value in that. You have to find value in that diversity or that value in yeah. that and, and recognize it and kind of go, you know, like, you know, the cliche of when grit gets into an oyster, it eventually yeah. makes a pearl, right? But yeah. you have to. And this is kind of, yeah, it's kind of like that with the conflict. Mm. The conflict's like the grit. Let's let's get the pearl going. I mean, it's you know. You're a pearl maker. <laughs> now, um, now, can you give me another example of where maybe you were in a situation where uh, where uh, uh, well, have you ever been in a situation where you did walk away and there was n- no solution? Have I ever failed? No. No. <laughs> I can't. Uh, where it hasn't where it hasn't worked. Well, then give me an example. Well, can can I think of that? Maybe I just erased those from my memory. Nice. Where it hasn't worked. Um, no, but... You well, we're not going to force you to find it. If it's not popping into your head, then it's not popping in your head. Maybe you can come in later and we can... No. Um, the, uh, you talked about the process, though, so the process yeah. is interesting. Yeah. And what you do is you um, you have them, you know, they're, they come in, you acknowledge this is difficult, this is going to be difficult, it's not going to be easy because I'm going to ask you to do a different kind of conversation than you ever had, probably. Right. Um, with each other. With each other, yeah. Right. And you, and so you've got certain patterns built up, and you're probably going to want to revert back to those patterns, and you're probably going to talk about the past. But what I want you to do is talk about the present, and what you're going to do to make the future better. Mm. So we're going to try and stick away from the past. I'm not trying to muffle you, or any silence you or anything, but. There's a not an awful lot in the past that we can change, like nothing. And whether the record is set straight or not is not going to affect what happens in the future. We're starting fresh here now. We're going to have a new kind of conversation. And you two are going to have it. Or you eight or how many you are. We'll have the conversation. I'll be the monitor. I'm going to ask that you not interrupt each other. But I'm going to interrupt you. <laughs> okay? If you get off topic... Or if you start going on a long story that or has Or going nothing, to the past. Or going to the past, unless you can tell me why that past is relevant. If you can, fine. Right. But I'm going to try and keep you contained on the topic at hand. Hmm. And, then, and then see what happens. And I like to think of it as a knot. There's a big knot on the table. Tangle. And it's been getting worse and worse because you've been pulling on the ends and making it tighter and tighter. And what we're going to try and do now is loosen it off. We're going to massage it and we're going to look at all the possibilities, turn it around, turn it upside down and stuff like that. 
And what happens eventually is it sort of falls apart. Oh, interesting. And often, when we don't take those positions, so you've each got a position, I'm going to ask you to set them aside, and then let's talk, or let you two talk together. And I'll try to guide you, knowing that it's going to be hard, and you're going to fall into... Repeat behavior. Or yeah. whatever, but, but I'll help you. And if, if necessary, I'll have a private conversation. If I have a private conversation with you, I have the same amount of time with you. And it's not a punishment or anything. It's just a way to help guide the conversation and, it, and to clarify. It feels like you almost have and to be a bit of a detective, too. Because oh, yeah. you have to figure but out. But I'm asking to them to be detectives as well. Right? Oh, wow. So I'm saying, okay, now we're going to, we early usually, do, there's a conversation where one gets to go first, the other one listens. They don't rebut. No rebuttal. Nice. Listen. Listen for what's said what's felt, what's not said, and whether the body matches the language. Nice. So right? how it's being said. How it's being said, right? Nice. Listen for all of that mm. without without judging it, but with curiosity, and then come back with a question. Nice. And be prepared to tell them what you heard, so then they can say, that's not quite it. What I really meant to say was blah, or blah, or yeah, you got it. Or nailed it. <laughs> yeah, something, right? Nice. And so that's hard for most people to do. And wow. that would be my kind of exercise, maybe, oh. for people to try. But we can... Well, we will get to that. Um, yeah. So anyway, we have those kind of conversations. But the very the next step in that, but there's a sort of like introduction where we kind of review the rules. There's a contract. Um, and then... Um, then they build the agenda. So, sorry, you you actually have a written contract to okay. say this is what our outcomes are. No, or no not what our outcomes. This is our process. Do you both do you, do everyone involved agree to this process? The, this is the process. I, I I don't want to do this adversarially. I want to do a collaborative process. I want to be open and honest and upright. I won't sue the mediator. That's important. And I'll keep everything said in this meeting confidential. I won't tell anybody anything about it. But at the end. Should we come to a written re, um, resolution or moment, uh, we call it minutes of agreement or something? We, we're not supposed to use the word agreement, but okay. um, some kind of uh, record. Um, often, so a board, it's in, in co-ops, the board usually pays the bill to people, um, agree to give them a report, but they write it. So the two big things. One is confidentiality. Nothing leaves the room, and nothing you tell me goes anywhere except if you tell me something, I may tell it to them, unless you tell me don't tell them, okay? And then that's confidentiality, and the other one is self-determination. So you guys don't have to agree to anything you don't want to. Right. I won't tell you to do anything. You're under no pressure to do anything. No pressure. It's all up to you. And you're the, you're the content experts. You're the ones that know all the nuance and all the implications. And you could talk to me for years and I would still not understand it the way you guys do. But you understand it differently than that other guy does. So how, this is fascinating. So how did you train for this work? Like, uh, like it's such an interesting thing. So was, did you, like, were you always a bit of a mediator? Not a mediator, a person no. who, got, who got between two people and said, Stop fighting! No, um, no, I wasn't one of those. Okay. And I, and I didn't have this, I'm, I mean, I was as adversarial as anybody else. Right. Like, I liked a good fight. And I, that was one of my things was, what about people who enjoy this? They enjoy the fight. They're in it for the fight. They have no intention. Well, like lawyers. Lawyers, their entire career is to argue, right? right. So it, they... it, because that's an adversarial position. And there are, there are places where the uh, adversarial approach is important and good and everything. But in the court system, it's getting bogged down. This is so much more friendly in a way. I mean, you, you do, it gets nasty. Yeah. But um, the collaborative approach is much better, I think. My opinion. Nice. Well, how did I get into it, or how right. did I? Well, how did you how, how did you train for it? Like you you went to the ju justice justice institute. Yeah. That's where I got the real the formal training that I got. Right. Um, but when I when I started, so I was an, I was initially one of the combatants. I was on the combatant team. Oh no way! <laughs> oh my goodness! And then um, the mediator resolved the conflict. Well, she helped us resolve the conflict. Right. We did it. Like we did all the hard work, she nudged us and pushed us in the right direction, and we got it finally. Um, and then after it was, after it was the like a miracle. It really was. It was like 
this I hated this woman. I hated her. Oh. And I and I now I she's fine. She's fine. We're still very different people. Right. We're very different. We have very different points of view on all sorts of things. But we can work together easily. Wow. And I, you know I can respect her. So because you went through the experience, then afterwards like, you were like, hey. I want your job. <laughs> exactly. And not only do I want your job, I want everybody to have the experience, or as many people as possible, to have the experiences, experience of seeing their enemy in a new light. It's a wonderful thing wow. to think that that person that I dislike so much could actually be a friend. Wow. So it's, it sounds profound. Like It, it really, was. Yeah. It was like a big change. So like, yeah, I was adversarial. I, I before, but right. after this changed my around. So I used to be such a big thing about it. The board then said to me, "Well, these two guys are fighting. Why don't you see, like? We don't think we're going to just kick them both out. But why don't you have a run at that and see wow. if you can resolve that?" So I phoned up my brother, who was an, uh, a mediator in Ontario, mm -hmm. a Harvard-trained mediator. Oh, nice! Ooh, and, fancy. He, yeah, he he works he worked at a whole different level. <laughs> nice. But anyway, he gave me a lot of pointers and some books to read. I studied up hard, and I right. did that, and I ah. had a. a, a so this was before you went to the Justice before Institute. Before I went to the Justice right. Institute, right? You were just giving a test drive. A, <laughs> I just did a test drive, and then I thought, oh, there's much to be learned here because. It worked, but it was a pretty sloppy, it was a pretty amateur kind of mediation. It was a little I mean, messy. I, it was a little messy. There were a lot of stops and starts, but it worked, and it worked in a nice dramatic way. Right. And then there was another incident that I did without the Justice Institute, and then I thought, okay, I just got to pay the bucks and go and get some more stuff. And they have brilliant courses there. All sorts yeah. of things, yeah. Oh, wow. And they, they touch on different parts, like break it down into pieces, like dealing with anger is one. Um, talking about um, no, I can't think, <laughs> but lots of lots of good stuff. And then they also have an assessment where you have to do an actual mediation with some with role players who are mediators themselves, and they know all the nasty things that can happen, and they know where to push you. Right, right, and right. And if you can get through it, you get to have the prize. If, if, if you graduate or if you get through the class without killing one of the people then they go yeah. right and well, you, you actually solve the problem yeah but you there, it's not it's more than just doing the thing you have there's a lot of paperwork written you know questions reassessment afterwards what did you do because the idea is that every every mediation you do is going to teach you something about mediation and there's books coming out all the time what's one of your favorite books what's one well getting to yes but it's like it's an old book lots of people well, sometimes read like i i talked about my thing uh, how to win friends and influence yeah. people and that's like 50 years old but it's yeah. still a well, so getting to yes getting to yes um william Uri or something i think mm. anyway he, and uh the conflict pivot um nice cool and they think there's one called turning conflict into money or something Oh, nice. but that's more about business—the business of mediation. Interesting. Being, going into a place like going into the workplace and resolving—it's worth money. Like conflicts at work, that cost those companies amazing amounts of money. They don't realize it's costing them. Good employees leave because of conflict. Um, people get sick. They mess up. Take more time. They off, sabotage yeah. each other. They do all kinds of things. Wow. When there's conflict, but if you can resolve the conflict, it's worth paying somebody to come in and do it. Now I have two questions. Then uh, uh, now you must run into because there are some people with mental issues, right? Oh the, yes. Uh, people who are sociopaths or 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 um, psychotic. Yeah. Or just jerks. Um, uh, do you have warning signs to look for that? Like yeah, you can so go, oh, I'm not going to resolve you because you have an issue that's beyond... Yeah. So one of the things you do in that first meeting, one-on-one -on -one meeting, is you look for those things. Because mm. if you can spot them at the beginning, why waste the money? If it's a narcissist to, or something, you're like, you, okay. And you have to get yourself out of there carefully. Like if right. you get involved with a mediation with someone who's like that, if a serious case, you could have... It could just ruin your career. You know, it could be nasty, but... Fortunately, there's not that many really serious. I mean, sure. There's an amateur social sociopath. Okay, in almost in almost every case, I, I say that, but that's not a good expression, is it? Quite often, when when somebody's you're talking to them about the person that they're having the fight with, quite often they'll say, "Well, you know, it's probably a mental health issue. That right. guy's probably nuts." Right. And then you go to him, and he says, "Well, that guy's probably nuts. Right. right? They're probably both crazy." Wow. And I, I was in one where um, the, uh, 
the first person I talked to, the second person I talked to had a reputation for being just, just fiery and angry and right. nasty. Like he had quite a reputation. I didn't even heard about him before I got it kind of off. And the first person said, she just told me story after story about how awful he was and how impossible it was and how it was just a waste of time and and I thought, okay, I'm just going to go in, check him out for narcissism and then get myself out of there. And then I met him and he was charming. He was right. fine, which can also be a narcissist, but, you, right. but I didn't get the other part. And then this person who said he was crazy, she lost it right. and she left Oh, because she said she couldn't handle it. She's like, I've built in my head what he is. He's and you an just evil man. He, no, I didn't tell him that. I, oh. I, I didn't tell her anything about it. I just said I talked to him. Now we're going to set this up. And she said I can't. I'm, I won't. You know, I, I won't speak in front of them. If if we're in the same room, I won't speak because there's nothing I can say. I've said everything I can say, and I won't say anymore. Wow. Well, I can't mediate that, can I? No. Yeah. It's, it's like the so woman you were talking about. Quick. Someone of them has dug their heels in. You have. You go. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're done. Well, so she nudged, and then she came back. Right. Right. <laughs> that first one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow. Now, how do you, how do you, like if I'm not a mediator, if I'm not jumping up in front of people, but I have conflict in my life. Of course you what, do. Everybody does. Oh, what? <laughs> uh, you want to fight? So, yeah, yeah. so how do you, uh, what, what would your advice be? Like well, from what you've learned in your training, if you have conflict in your life, is it just like de bono, like try to find value in them or is it? Is well, that's it, pretty hard in a lot of cases, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's, just be nice. I don't think so. But I think there's lots to be said about slowing down and don't and 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 not to speak when you're angry. Not to write an email when you're angry. Well, write it, but don't send it. Whenever you find yourself angry, just wait. So slowing down is one thing. Staying calm. Staying calm. That's our key word, doesn't it? Yeah. Slowing down is one thing, but also becoming curious. What's going on over there? What's like, why would they act like that? Why would they do that? Like, mm -hmm. not that you'll get an answer, but what could possibly be going on there? Because often the thing they're doing is not, it's just, it's just sort of bad behavior because something else is going on, mm -hmm. right? And so many times you find that there's something else going on. And they don't want you to know that. They don't want you to know that their husband just threw them out or, or they just threw their husband out or, or they've been drinking all night, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? There could be all sorts of things going on. Right, and sometimes you have to investigate that. You have to find out, okay, it's not the people in the room, there's other people Are we talking about or... resolving a uh, conflict this way? Yeah. Or, or between you and me? If uh, I have a conflict with you. Well, yeah, uh, we, I, yeah, that's right, I did change, I, <laughs> I jumped back to conflict Being mediation. Yeah, but okay, so, so it's, understanding where they're coming from and staying calm and not. And not holding on to your position. Right. See, a lot of times, most of us want to be right. We think we know the answer, and we're going to defend it. We're going to be right, and we're not going to give up. We're not going to give an inch, and that's old school negotiation. So, negotiation and mediation are related. Mm. At the Justice Institute, you can get a. I almost got a uh, assessment in medi in negotiation. Negotiation is me and you. If we're, I'm trying to negotiate something with you. In old school, we would go adversarially at each other. I'll give you this if you give me that. Right. And we would trade horse trading. Inch for mile. Yeah. yeah. But this is a different kind of uh, negotiation, which is getting to yes. And he's got all kinds of um, s tactics or strategies in don't go head to head. Right. What you do is he calls it jujitsu. Uh, negotiation where you come around the other side of the table and say let's look at this thing together we're going to be on the same side and we're going to look at this thing and figure out how to do it instead of me going against you we're going to do it together and it can take the uh, like old school negotiators they don't want to do with that right it throws them right off it's like oh, really nice well can you take me through an uh, an exercise or take us the audience as well through an exercise what's something that you do you got the people in the room and uh, you, the, the tempers are high or tensions are high. What's something that, that you can teach us to... You, you, well, one, that same slow down. Slow down. Yeah. So deep so breaths. Deep breaths. Sometimes stand up, walk around, take a, you know, that kind of thing. Take a break. Right. If it gets really high, we take a break. You know, right. they said, so negotiating or mediating on uh, 
on Zoom, because a lot of people are mediating on Zoom now, right? And the guy said he accidentally um, came across a really good technique for softening the mood. He, um, he suddenly screen shared a picture of his dog, <laughs> and suddenly everybody started talking about their dogs. Oh, wow. <laughs> and stuff. So what you're trying to do is get them from the back of their brain to the front of their brain. You're trying to get them away from their emotion and bring it back to what are the facts, what's actually happening, or trying to just cut the emotion with a little um, something. <laughs> something. You wanted, there's, there was, this, there was this method, which I didn't talk about before, where if you're having a fight with your partner, um, you can have a pact to agree that as soon as you feel that, you know that trigger, yeah. say, I need a glass of water. And you get up and get a glass of water. And it's a, it's a sign to let the other person know you've been triggered. But it also takes you back to your thinking brain instead of your emotional brain. Interesting. I like, the, I like the talking about getting from the back of your brain to the front of your brain. Because I, of course, talk about getting into your core. But that's Similar interesting. Similar kind of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's neat having... Uh, I, I was in a conflict once with someone uh, that we were working together. And so I actually set up a doll. And I said, if I've pissed you off or done something wrong and we need to talk and I'm not finding the time or you feel you can't get it just turn this doll around yeah so yeah, I will now know yeah right yeah you can try this looking um listening carefully listening carefully is huge I mean you can try it anytime anywhere practice all the time asking well you're doing it automatically as an interviewer right what 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 am I hearing what's being said what's not being said how is it being said? Where's you know? Is it the what's the thinking part and what's the emotional part of what's happening? Um, you know, and and does their body language match? Because sometimes their body doesn't match. Right. Sometimes the no, status signal. I'm not mad. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they they strangle the cat or something. Yeah. You know, like oh, I think you're angry. <laughs> um, so explain to me what is the difference between negotiation and mediation. So negotiation is one party and another two parties right. trying to negotiate a problem. It's like it's a normal it's a normal argument. <laughs> you know, where are we going to go for a holiday? I want this, you want that. Okay, that's that's you're negotiating that. Mediation is when that negotiation doesn't work so well. The mediator comes in and helps guide that negotiation process. Oh. So it's a, a mediation in the way I'm trained, because <laughs> there's other ways of doing mediation, but the right. way I'm trained, the mediator helps the two parties negotiate what they need, what they want. And so they're, they're, it's two different jobs? Well, they're very related. They're yeah. very related. Yeah. Um, but the skills are the same. Um, and well, oh, we talked about they write up the agenda, so they write up the things that they want to talk about. What matters? What do they want to get resolved in this process? Okay. They write it. They, I write it on the board, but they tell me what they want. I may rephrase it. Um, I want them to die. No, okay, we're yeah, gonna take so, that one so over here. Want to talk about, <laughs> you, so you want to talk about lifespan? Right. You want to resolve lifespan? <laughs> you know, you you put it in a neutral <laughs> form. You see yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And if they both agree, or even if they don't. And on that agenda, there can be things called discussables, which are things that we can't, you, the two people need to talk about to get a common ground on, mm. but they can't change. They can't change the boss. They can't change the tax system. If they don't like it, they can argue about it all day, but they can discuss it, but they can't resolve it. That's like um, theater for living. The, um, uh, I'm sorry, I keep going back to different... Artists and Theatre for Living is all about you can't change the oppressor because they don't want to change. You can only change the oppressed and how they react to the situation. How you react, exactly. Yeah. But you may come together to decide that you're going to do something, you're going to approach the boss together instead of fighting each other. If the boss has set you up to fight, if that's what the, res if that's what the mediation shows in the discussables, then you can make a plan about that, but you can't resolve to kill the plot. Well, you could, but... <laughs> make a great um, movie. You know, yeah. um, and what is, what is the ethical position of the mediator? Right. You know, that's the kind of question well, they ask you. There's an ethics course, and they ask you those kind of questions. They put you in these funny spots. And, if, the, um, if, if the two parties have said, murder is our solution, that's when you have to go, oh, okay, let's rethink that. Well, and there, there was a dispute between a drug dealer and his and his thing and how does the meet the drug dealer knew that the mediator could resolve it and That's crazy. is it ethical or not to get involved in this 
Oh, wow. Because in some ways it's ethical because... You're solving was, a problem. And it doesn't involve guns. Right. You know? And, you know, it's an interesting question. Some of these ethical questions are like... <laughs> I don't know exactly. Right. You know, it's hard. Do I know the drug dealer? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you set up the agenda and then they decide and they can add to the agenda as they go along if they want to. They decide which one they want to do first. They might do the easy one just to get the hang of it right. or they might do the hard one. And sometimes if they do the hard one, the easy ones just fall away. They right. just they just become obvious. And then and then you get them to focus on one at a time. And you stay on that topic until they're ready to leave it. And they might leave it without a resolution and say, okay, we've done enough on that, we'll come back to it. And some, and some conflicts are so complicated that they talk about conflict management rather than resolution because, you know, some conflicts are so huge. They're, they're big um, views of the world different maybe between the federal government and the indigenous people this is not going to be a conflict that's resolved it's going to be managed right that kind of that's big conflict and you, you use the same kind of methods but it's a um, it's a longer story <laughs> but well, you do piece by piece right if you try to resolve the whole thing in one conversation it it doesn't work so well. Well, yeah, if it's got to the point where you're involved, it's not going to be like an easy Well, if they want to just sit around and talk, they talk all over the place, and you have yeah. to rein them in to get, yeah. them, to get some structure to it. I mean, it's better for everybody if there's structure. That's fine. And they keep telling us in the training, just trust the process, trust the process, go back to the process. Yeah, there must be times when you are doing it where you start to go, ha, 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 and you have to go, no, trust the process. Trust the process, and then what you do is you... You say, no, okay, let me just see where we are. And this is, I think this has been agreed, this has been agreed. This is where you are. Is this right? Is this correct? And then that picks them up and they start to to uh, talk some more and stuff. Or, well, or are they just tired and they go home? <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Marilyn Lemon. By the way, it's Marilyn Lemon with lowercase letters. She's one of those lowercase people, which I think is quite beautiful. And uh, we can uh, find it. you on your website at neutralthirdparty.ca. C-A, yes. .ca. And if you enjoyed this podcast and thought there was something interesting in it that you want to share it with people, uh, please do so. Please like and subscribe and rate. I'm always talking to very different and interesting people to help us become more alive and better uh, interacting with the world. And uh, also, I welcome your feedback on the podcast or ideas for guests. Uh, Marilyn, I'm going to let you have the last word. What is it that you want people to uh, leave this podcast as they uh, un- take out their earbuds and they're done for the day okay. or moving on to another podcast? What is it something you want them to remember? I want them to remember that conflict is inevitable. We're not going to get rid of it. But what matters is how we respond to it. And remember that it's full of potential. There's all kinds of possibilities that we haven't even imagined yet. Nice. My name is David C. Jones, and this has been Alive and Engaged.